Pastor Xavier Reese reminds us that sooner or later, all sin will be judged. Notice the nature of the flood by its all-inclusive judgment. And all flesh died that moved on the earth. Birds and cattle, bees, every creeping thing. They are listed in the order of creation, by the way. And he did not spare the ancient world, Peter says, but save Noah, one of eight people, a preacher of righteousness, bringing in the flood on the world of the ungodly. Welcome to Simple Truths, the daily half-hour study of God's Word with Xavier Reese, Senior Pastor of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. If you ever had the opportunity to travel to Hawaii, New Zealand, or Alaska, it's hard to miss the glorious handiwork of God's creation. Or is it? Today, as Pastor Xavier takes a detailed look at the flood of Noah's days, he reminds us that God's original creation has been covered and rearranged because of man's sin. Now let's join him for today's important lesson on God's judgment and grace from the book of Genesis. Genesis chapter 7 and 8. And the message is entitled, God's Signature, the Flood. The secular world of science rejects the record of the universal flood that God brought upon the world, and they try to say it was a local flood. They attribute all the present geological evidence including the fossil record to millions and billions of years of evolution, rather than the record of God's judgment on the creation for the sin that had overtaken the world. They have managed to distort the burial graveyard of the past world into a fictional imagination of a slow evolutionary process of millions and billions of years despite the fact that all the laws of science, true science, defies and contradicts what they teach. They continue to pass this off as their religion without realizing that's what they're doing. Because your only option is God. If you don't embrace evolution, you have to believe in God. You have to acknowledge at least there's a creator. There's no room in their minds for that. But I think at a close examination of the record of Genesis this morning, as well as the basic laws of science, refutes the theory of evolution. And because of the length of the passage, I'm not going to read it as I usually do, but we will go in sections and we'll be able to follow. But let me give you the flood in three stages as I see it. You have the inception of the flood beginning chapter 7, verse 1 to verse 16. Then we're going to look at the duration of the flood that goes from verse 17 to chapter 8, verse 14. And then we'll finish with the cessation of the flood from verse 15 of chapter 8 to 22. Three simple stages, which we'll be able to hang our thoughts on. The inception of the flood, that's where it begins, verse 1 through 16 of chapter 7. Notice verse 1 through 5, the divine command to Noah. God told Noah to enter the ark in verse 1. Yahweh said to Noah, come into the ark, you and all your household. 120 years had elapsed. The warning's over. The day has arrived. Yahweh gives the reason, because I have seen that you are righteous before me in this generation. Confirming chapter 6, verse 9. He found grace in the eyes of the Lord because he was blameless, righteous. Now, we're told in the book of Hebrews, chapter 11, verse 7, that by faith Noah being divinely warned of things 
not yet seen, moved with godly fear, prepared an ark for saving of his household by which he condemned the world and became heir of righteousness, which is according to faith. He had never seen any of this. He's believing God. Faith always points to the revelation of God, real simple, always what God has revealed, his word. Now, look at verse 2. God told Noah to bring into the ark animals, seven of each clean animal, male, female, two of the unclean, male and female, uh, seven each of the birds air of the air, male and female. And the reason is stated, to keep the species alive on the face of all the earth. There is no contradiction when God says that he would bring them in back in chapter 6, verse 19 through 20. We get a general information that we get specific things. So the animals would come in. God would bring them to Noah, and Noah would put them in the ark. No contradiction. It's a complete information of all that's going on. So you have to look at the text. Now, when you look at verse 4 and 5, you have God here announces to Noah the countdown. It's a very detailed account of the flood. And this is the whole thing. God didn't give us this so that if we can't sleep at night, we can open it up and get bored and go to sleep. It's very detailed. Yahweh determined the time. He says, for after seven days, I will cause it to rain on the earth 40 days and 40 nights. Notice God is using the seven-day week, confirming that the creation days were 24-hour days. Once again, not geological ages. And he repeats this over and over again. Yahweh declares his intent, and I will destroy from the face of the earth all living things that I have made. The word destroyed there is translated uh, by two Hebrew words, makah, which means to blot out or wipe out, and shakath, which means to ruin or mar. And you find them 6.7, 6.13, 6.17, and 7.4. Two different words to make sure we understand. Everything is real detailed. The object is all living things, literally all existence or that grows up. Yahweh saw Noah's obedience as he's giving all this information, and Noah did according to all that the Lord commanded him. This is the pattern of Noah. He believes God and he obeys God. Now, the details of the last week start at verse 6 down to 10. The age of Noah is given. Noah was 600 years old when he, the floodwaters uh, were on the earth. Um, Noah was 500 years old, as you know, when he was called of God in chapter 5, verse 32, chapter 6, verse 8 through 9. So we compare the two. There's the difference there. Uh, the most, this most likely is the week that Methuselah died. Remember, Methuselah means when he dies, the end comes. That's when judgment came. Now, the only passengers are named for us in verse 7. Noah with his sons, his wife, his son's wives went into the ark because waters of the flood. And the word for flood in the Hebrews, you know, is a very unique word. It's used for nothing else but Noah's flood. And the same is in the Greek, as we'll see. God wants you to know that only eight people got on there. There's repetition, there's emphasis, there's general category, there's itemized listing. Very detailed. Verse 8 and 9, the animals taken into the ark are also given. Clean animals and unclean. Birds of every creeping thing on verse 8. By twos, listen, they went into the ark to Noah. God brought them in, confirming what was said in chapter 6 and here. No contradiction. The affirmation of the last week is stated in verse 10. For after seven days that the waters of the flood were on the earth. So God states it, then he confirms it. 
Verse 11 through 16, you have the day that the flood began. Verse 11, the date and way the flood came is described. Verse 11, the exact date of the flood is recorded. In the 600th year of Noah's life, in the second month, the 17th day of the month, the date compared to the ending date gives us one year and 11 days, 371 days, for they are 30-day months, and we'll see that. You compare 711 with 814, you get the 371 days, okay? Whenever there's dates exactly, God implies that something needs to be measured. Very few places do we have exact datings. When it is, it is purposeful, and there's a purpose behind it so that we can calculate it is deliberate, it is precise, and it is for calculation. Now look, the two sources of the flood are also recorded. On that day, in verse 11, all the fountains of the great deep were broken open, literally cleaved open. The springs which drew from the subterranean oceans, the great deep. Remember in chapter 1, the earth was covered with the water. And God drew the earth from the waters. There were subterranean canyons, waters all over. And you can imagine, they're broken up. Now, you imagine you have a sprinkler system in your house, and you hit that thing with a shovel. That's only a half-inch line or one-inch line. Can you imagine a subterranean cavern and the earth breaking open? <laughs> the windows of heaven were open. Beautiful poetic description of the downpour as a result of the thick water blanket in the upper atmosphere that he made in chapter 1, verse 7. He separated the firmaments from above the water from beneath the water. The water vapor was probably much thicker. The ozone. There are many speculations about passing planets that cause all these things, but the Bible doesn't tell us anything of that. So all this speculation and opinions about Mars coming and having a close path with the Earth and this and that, it's junk. I don't have it in the Bible, so I don't know. What I do know is he broke up the caverns underground and he ripped open the heavens. And that's good enough for me. The duration of the rain is declared, verse 12. And the rain was on the earth 40 days and 40 nights. You know the number 40 is judgment. Israel was in the wilderness 40 years. Uh, the spies went in, spied the land 40 days. Moses was on the mountain for 40 days at Sinai. Elijah fasted for 40 days. Jonah preached for 40 days. Jesus was tempted for 40 days. Judgment, judgment, judgment. 40. 39 is mercy. And that's what they gave to the Jews when they hit him in the back with a pole. We'll be merciful. Give you 39. Interesting. Notice rain had not occurred till this day. Only a mist went up from the earth to water the whole face of the ground, Genesis 2.6 says. This was the first time that Noah and any human being had ever seen rain. Talk about faith. The rain and flood waters are mentioned repeatedly as the source of the deluge. Four times. Verse 4, 6, 10, 12, 17. That's six. Okay? <laughs> Over and over again. You think God wants you to know how the flood took place? Why all the details? Because he wants you to know that it doesn't happen by accident. And he wants you to know that it took place. Look at verse 13 through 16. The confirmation of the passengers and cargo are delineated. The repetition of verse 7 is for emphasis. To, re to ensure that no other person got on board. But now they are individually named. On that very same day, Noah, Noah's sons, Shem, Ham, Japheth, and Noah's wife, and the three wives of his sons 
with them entered the ark. This is the only place where you find the phrase Noah's wife. It's found nowhere else. It's delineated. God wants you to know only eight people survived. Okay? No one hung on to the boat and rode it through. A total of eight people verified by the New Testament record. The repetition of verse 8 and verse 14. And verse 9 also is repeated. 8 and 9 here in verse 14 is also for emphasis to reassure that the needed animals to reproduce in the new world that they were taken. Listen, the reproduction was after the kind of creation. They, verse 14 says, they, the eight people, and every beast after its kind. The fact that eight entered the ark is repeated over and over again. Eight is the number of new beginnings. The rest are listed, all cattle after their kind, every creeping thing after its kind, after its kind, every bird after its kind, every bird. So this is a direct denial of evolution or theistic evolution. Theistic evolution is embraced by some Christians that God started and then left it go into evolution. Listen, if you're a Christian, you believe in theistic evolution, you're saying that God is not the creator. You're saying that the Bible is wrong. You cannot believe in two. It's an oxymoron. Either he created or it evolved. Which one is it? There's no in between. It's got to be one or the other. Notice verse 15, the repetition of the boarding of the animals by God's command is to emphasize again the accurate record. The animals responded to the creator and they went into the ark to Noah. God brought the animals and then Noah put them in the ark. Contradiction? No. The two and the seven have a purpose for that as we're going to see for reproduction, but we're also going to see why the seven, why the odd number, because there was going to be sacrifice when we get to the end of the record. And at least three pairs for reproduction. Their gender is stated. So they, they that entered the ark, male and female of all flesh, went in as God had commanded him. So the protection of the passengers and cargo is recorded last here in this section. Look at what it says. The identity of God is the covenant of God, the Lord Yahweh, which began in chapter 2 over and over again. Yahweh shut him in with the idea for deliverance and protection from the judgment of the flood. God called him in. God shut him in. And God will call him out. Up to the 1800s, the interpretation of geology was based on the flood. It was taught in Cambridge, Oxford, Harvard, Yale, all the major universities. After the 1800s, with the embracement of evolution, it got abandoned. And so what we have is a religion of evolution taught even today in all of our public schools and our universities. No person should ever think that God saves a household apart from individual repentance. We have to be careful here that we don't think that God just saved them. Every one of those members of Noah's family, they repented individually or they wouldn't have gotten on the boat. We are saved by grace through faith, not of ourselves. It's a gift of God, Ephesians 2, 8, 9 says. But Paul tells us in 2 Corinthians 7, 9 through 10, that we do not regret that we repented. That is godly repentance. We're glad that we turn from our sin. Repentance means a change of mind. If it's just regret, it brings forth death. Many people feel bad about what they've done and when they get busted. But that doesn't mean they repent. 
When you repent, you're, you recognize your sin against God and you turn to God to forgive you and to change your life. That has to happen individually. Many times people use the scripture in Acts 16.31, the Philippian jailer, where Paul tells them, if you believe, you and your household can be saved if they believe. Otherwise, God would just have to save one person, the whole family saved. No. My children are not saved because of me. They're covered when they're underage, but when they come to age, they have to believe. No one goes to heaven on anybody's shirt tails. All must repent. Be real careful of blanket promises that are taught from the pulpit. It's not biblical. God gives to every person a set amount of time, and he will use every situation in life to turn them so they make that turn to him, and they take the warnings of God seriously, and they turn to him for salvation. Listen to Peter, 2 Peter 3, uh, 3 through 7. He says, Knowing this first, that scoffers will come in the last days, walking according to their own lusts, and saying, Where is the promise of his coming? For since the fathers fell asleep, all things continue as they were from the beginning of creation. That's uniformitarianism, the whole developmental cycle of, of evolution. That's the philosophy. For they willingly forget that by the word of God the heavens were of old and the earth standing out of the water and in the water by which the world that then existed perished, being flooded with water, but the heavens and the earth, which are now preserved by the same word, are preserved for the fire until that day of judgment and perdition of ungodly men. But, beloved, do not forget one thing, that with the Lord one day is a thousand years and a thousand years like one day. They willingly are ignorant. They deny it. They embrace the religion of evolution. Now notice, when you get to verse 17 of chapter 7, down to chapter 8, verse 14, we have the duration of the flood. And again, it's very, very detailed. 17 to 24, we have the nature and time of the flood. Look at verse 17 to 20. The nature of the flood is described by its increasing force and lasted for 40 days. The flood, in verse 17, was on the earth 40 days. The waters increased and lifted up the ark, and it arose high above the earth. Very descriptive. The word increase means multiply exceedingly. This is in view of the subterranean caverns that we've talked about, the rain resulting in violent forces. Can you imagine when the subterranean caverns get broken up and 40 days and 40 nights of rain? The verification of this great volume of water is that the ark was lifted up and rose above the earth, verse 17 there. The human elation in the ark must have been incredible. The eight are in it. The day has come. The ark begins to move. But the human panic outside must have been horrible. And those eight hearing people saying, let us in. And wanting to. And even perhaps thinking, oh, come on, Lord, be merciful. And thinking you're more merciful than God. But God says, no, that's it. Must have been a horrible day. The continuous volume of water is carefully noted. Notice, the waters prevail, verse 18. It means to strengthen more and more powerful. The superlative greatly means exceedingly or abundantly and is added to the previous word increase on the earth. The confirmation of the increasing intensity is given again in verse 18, the beginning there. Notice, the ark moved, traveled about on the surface of the water. So what lifted, now it begins to move. Remember, the ark was made to float, not to sail. 
It had a flat bottom. That particular design has been proven that it could go up to short of 90 degrees, and when the force is removed, it comes back down. How interesting. God's a great shipbuilder. <laughs> Verse 19, the complete coverage of the earth by water is the final stage given to us. The same two Hebrew words are used for the increasing intensity of the water as in verse 18, prevailed exceedingly on the earth. But notice the clarification of the increase is by the statement, and all the high hills under the whole heaven were covered. It's progressive. Here's the final stage. And the term under the whole heaven speaks of a universal flood covering the entire earth, not a local flood. God is reversing the creation. Chapter 1, the earth was under the water. He brought the earth out of the water. Now he puts the water and the earth underneath again. A reversal. Judgment. Notice the confirmation of the universal flood is stated in verse 20. The waters prevail 15 cubits upward, a cubit 18 inches, 22 and a half feet above the highest mountain. The exact distance needed for this size of craft with its weight. What a coincidence. Hmm. The mountains were covered, it says in verse 20. The word for mountains is the same as the word hill in verse 19. Same Hebrew word. They probably were not high mountains like we have here, but much lower. Some even think maybe six, 7,000 feet. But they're not like the ones that we have. The ones that we have are the result of the geological changes and the upthrusts. as I'll give you some information on them. Now in verse 21 through 24, notice the nature of the flood. It's described by its all-inclusive judgment on the inhabitants of the earth. Verse 21, those with the ability to move. And all flesh died that moved on the earth. Birds and cattle, bees, every creeping thing, creeping on the earth, every man. Do you think God wants to know that everything would die? He itemizes this stuff. They are listed in the order of creation, by the way. <laughs> and he did not spare the ancient world, Peter says, but save Noah. One of eight people, a preacher of righteousness, bringing in the flood on the world of the ungodly. 2 Peter 2.5. Peter believed the flood. Verse 22, those with the ability to breathe, all in whose nostrils was the breath of life, or the breath of spirit of life, all that was on the dry land died. God breathed into the nostrils of man the breath of life. In chapter 2, verse 7, now he takes it away. God gives life, God takes life away. He's the author and the developer. And notice the distinction of those who lived. In verse 23, so he destroyed all living things which were on the face of the ground, both man and cattle, creeping thing and birds of the air. They were destroyed from the earth. Listen, only Noah and those who were with him in the ark remained of life. This was no accident, but a deliberate work of God. And it's written by an eyewitness, by the way. <laughs> Interesting. The length of the flood and time is in verse 24. And the waters prevail on the earth 150 days. The days equate five months of 30-day months. Do your math. Five months, 30 days each. Four times the word prevail 
was stated to mark the progressive stages that end in complete flooding of the entire earth, 18, 19, 20, 24. God wants you to understand that this record is true, it is accurate. Pastor Xavier Reese on the authenticity of the flood of Noah's day as written in the Word of God. Now you can request a copy of today's important message called God's Signature, The Flood. As always, it's available on CD for just $4. And be sure and pass along this helpful study onto your friends and loved ones. The title to ask for once again is God's Signature, The Flood. Or simply mention today's date when you write Simple Truths. 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. Or to make your request by phone, call 800-926-1485. Again, that's 800-926-1485. Or the address once again is Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. And it's helpful when you tell us the call letters of this station when you contact us. Is there scientific support for the flood of Noah's day? Find out when you tune into the next edition of Simple Truths with Pastor Xavier Reese. Simple Truths with Pastor Xavier Reese, a daily half-hour broadcast, is a radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. www.calvarychapelpasadena.com 